in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Guys, the Bulls win it! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Are you all right? Yeah. I got a little cold bug. And that, that, one, uh, that one got my throat a little bit. I like that you gave it all in the very beginning of this podcast to hit that intro. Dude, I'm like MJ in the flu game, man. I just always oh. give it all. You were poisoned by a pizza boy in Park City, Utah. That's what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> we all remember the last dance, right? I ordered, a, yeah, I ordered that pizza last week. I know what that guy did. <laughs> He gave you COVID. This is the COVID game. No, I'm just I, kidding. I, I, I already had that. Oh, Mitch is good. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Sitting sitting pretty. We Anywho, didn't talk well, about that, but did, little did you know, you listened to COVID Mitch on one of the episodes. COVID Mitch. And you didn't get it from him. No, through so, the airway, through the the technology of podcasting. Scratch that one off the list. Not transis, transmissible. Debunked. So we're good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Guys, welcome on into the Sports Hour. Uh, Excited to be here, Mitch. We have a number of things to talk about. Um, Not a super heavy episode, but we're going to focus on some of the news happening uh, around the world of sports, Uh, some of the quarterback movement in the NFL, and we're going to give predictions and or thoughts on uh, where we see guys ending up or where the best fits might be for some of these quarterbacks. So we'll talk about that. Uh, And then the other big thing today, Mitch, is the NBA All-Star teams with the reserves being announced yesterday, uh, Tuesday evening. Uh, So now we know the rosters for the All-Star game. The draft will happen uh, like next week where Team LeBron and Team Durant will pick their their players. But we do know who will be participating in the game. So we'll get into that and uh, some of the potential uh, snubs as they're Always are, I think, is kind of been been the uh, been the true thing here. And looking at this list, it's like a lot of great players left off. Kind of makes you think they should just add more players. I don't know, but that's just me. I don't know. We shouldn't talk about this yet. We wait for that. But I'm just saying, a lot of talent. Let them all in the game. It's not like it matters, anyways. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, well, it seems like every year that there's, and more so, I think it's discussed in the NBA and the NFL. There's always snubs. There's always snubs, and there's always at least one where you're like, how how the hell did that guy not get mm-hmm. in? Yeah, like Brad uh, Beal last year, you know, averaging Bradley 30 Beal. points a game and not making it, and everyone was like, I, I, what I, is an all-star? I think we talked about Darius Leonard a couple years ago not getting in. Uh, yeah, yeah, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. You know, there, there's, uh, there's always some big snubs. I know there's snubs in the MLB too, but it just seems like it's more talked about in the NBA and the NFL nowadays, but – yeah, we'll get into that. Um, I, I before we get into the news, I want to do something to lead us into the news that I haven't done in a long time. Oh, okay. Can I can I can I do it? 
I mean, you can do whatever you want, my friend. I it's mean, it's I, our I, podcast. I mean, we, we have kinda, no rules, no well, bosses. We became more segment based, and we kind of didn't flow into the news in the last you know few months. And I hadn't been able to do the let's get into the news drop. Oh well, so, then we got to do it. This, oh, this is the time. I mean, this is a news episode, right? This big, this, this is big news episode. Big this news is episode, huge. Though. This is huge, as it, you can it is say. A huge <laughs> news episode. All right. Uh, I'm I'm waiting. I'm I'm anticipating. Let me dust this puppy off. I'm gonna lean back a little bit. (laughs) Turn your speaker down. Get out of the splash zone. Turn your speakers down, folks. It's about to get loud. Let's get into the news. Wow. Man. Chills. Oh. It's been a long time since we've led into a news with that intro. When did that, where did that go away? We just kind of stopped doing it for, I, know. I don't know. I don't know. It was, it was unintentional. It was unintentional. It's going to happen, but. Yeah. But here we are. Here we are, though. Back with the news. Uh, and let's start this off, Mitch, uh, with a very, uh, just really, I guess, sobering sort of news item here uh to start and that's the news of tiger woods and his uh car accident yesterday uh, we didn't know many details as things emerged in the afternoon uh but now that it's been you know 24 hours we have a little more clarity uh, i saw today that obviously tiger now is as most of you probably know by the time you're listening to this he is okay he's awake he's talking um so that's obviously fantastic news the la county sheriff came out today and said he was not drunk uh, that there was n- nothing of that sort. This was just an accident. And even mentioned that at most, the only charge he could face would be like a misdemeanor, uh, you know, for, for you know, a, a traffic infraction, essentially. And so uh, he's okay as far as those things go. Uh, now he had multiple fractures, serious fractures in his, in his right leg and ankle. Uh, and surgeries performed yesterday seemed fairly successful. Uh and I think that's the hardest part of this news, Mitch. Once after we knew he was okay and he was fine, and I'm, I'm going to admit, hearing this news uh, when it first kind of happened that he'd been in a crash, my 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 heart went, instantly went to Kobe, which was not just a year ago, and my child had almost you know cr- crashed in and on itself that two of my idols, you know, and these serious things. But luckily, Tiger's okay. But now you think about his career. And where he's at and how he's had to battle back from injuries already at his old age, but young for golf. But at this point, with this sort of serious damage to his legs uh, and how like vital that is to play golf, you just got to wonder what this means for the rest of his career. And, and just glad that he's okay. And let's be hope that he recovers fully from this. Uh but it is something that you think about and uh, makes me grateful for the moments that we've had and that we've seen him perform on on the golf course already. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, shout out Tiger for being okay. He's going to be fine. He's going to make a full recovery, successful surgeries. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm, that's exactly where my mind went to was I was like, oh, my God, we're going to lose another legend within a, just a little bit over a year. And, um, but you know, thankfully he is going to be okay. Like we said, the successful surgeries, as far as what this career says, uh, looking back on his history, as far as battling back from injury, Tiger's going to go win another major in a year. I mean, this guy, <laughs> I mean, if anyone could, right. I mean, I like mean, he's the guy he's so. done it before and not just once. So, 
I mean, if this says anything to me about you know what ty- what this holds in the balance for Tigers for Tigers future in golf, um, yeah, he's probably going to be out a long time, and we may not see him play in a competitive tournament tournament for a while. But um, yeah, he might just go out and win another major, and that that would be awesome to see. I mean, obviously, it'd be a story bo- storybook moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, first and foremost, glad Tiger the human is going to be okay. Um, obviously with his past struggles that he's dealt with, um, personally, uh, I'm glad to hear that this was not a, a, uh, a substance influenced incident. So I'm glad to hear all that. Uh, but yeah, we're just, uh, hoping for a speedy recover recovery for Tiger and I uh, can't wait till he comes to a full recovery, gets back on the tour, and then just goes out and wins another major because that's what Tiger Woods does. He's the GOAT of golf, um, and so he's just going to go out and do that. You know, Mitch, I love your enthusiasm, your optimism. Uh, I am not quite as optimistic. I love to just think Tiger's just going to come back from this and be fine. And maybe he will, and who knows. Uh, but, I, I don't. you know, as we've mentioned, you you look at what he's already had to go through recovering from these injuries, and that was when he was in his 30s. He's now 45 years old, and this was a serious injury, you know, sure. that will take a significant amount of time to recover from. Like you said, he's a long ways away from even competing in a in, in a in a tournament if he wanted to, but it does make you worry. It does make me think. At a certain point, is it worth it to try to recover to compete? to not be at the same level, to not compete like Tiger competes. Uh, and and would that even be worth going back and trying to do at this point in his career? Uh, and obviously that's a decision that he'll have to make for his own. Uh, and I think no matter what he does, uh, you know, that's, that's his, that's the right decision. And I think he's lived, he's had a fantastic career in golf has accomplished, obviously fantastic things. And you look at the masters that he won, not last year, but the year before in 2019. And that moment of coming back and winning in Augusta after all that time, after emerging on the scene with a historic performance in Augusta as a young man, as a teenager, and then coming back and winning in the fashion that he did, uh, with the red, you know, the red tiger Sunday look. And that was a moment that I knew at that moment, whatever happened after happened, that was tiger's career. That was, that was the final ending that he needed. And if there's more to him after this, uh, fantastic. I love more tiger. I love watching tiger play golf. Even now when he's not quite the same, I still love watching him play. I, I hope he does for his sake. I hope he's healthy and that's not an issue, but you do got to wonder at this point in his career. And if this is his age, I mean, he's been playing professional golf for over 25 years, you know, and golfers play a long time, but not a lot of guys have gone through this, the physical toll that he has uh, and have been playing for for such a long time at a young, uh, you know, even at a young age. Yeah, I mean, you're you're absolutely right when you say this. That's going to be a decision, a conversation he's going to have to have with himself, um, a decision he's going to have to make whether or not he wants to come back and compete. But if we know anything about Tiger, the competitor, is that he's not just going to, you know, have this injury and then just become a weekend golfer and go, you know, go play on the weekends to have fun. He's going to come back and try at least. I'm not now you're right. Optimistic that he's going to come back and win a tournament. And I think even more optimistic when I said that he's going to come back and win one of the majors, 
But, but I get it because again, like you said, he's, he's done got, it before. <laughs> like he, you know, he, why would we? <laughs> the goats of each individual sport are just built different, and mm-hmm. Tiger is one of those goats, and he's just built a little bit different than everyone right. else. So, um, it's a comeback that I could see coming. Um, but you're right; he's gonna have to have a conversation with himself uh, about you know how how involved on the professional scene is he gonna be moving forward. Um, but I, yeah, knowing the competitor tiger, I don't, I don't see him just shying away from it. I I see him at least making an attempt. No doubt. No doubt. And we'll, uh, we'll hope for more news, uh, on his recovery and the surge and the success of his surgery moving forward. But glad, as we said, glad to hear he's okay. Uh, and glad that it wasn't any, uh, extenuating circumstances, that led to his crash that it, that it was an accident and, and that he is okay and, and recovering. So uh, Mitch, let's move on to a bit of MLB news. Uh, we've seen quite a few big deals get, get, uh, get signed in the MLB in the last couple of years. You think back to Giancarlo Stanton, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, uh, Manny Machado, now it's Machado's teammate, the young star of the league, Fernando Tatis Jr., signing the latest mega deal in Major League Baseball. This one comes in, Mitch, as the longest contract in MLB history. 14 years for the shortstop, $340 million, and a no-trade clause. And Mitch, this is this this one stands out to me. The Machados. The Betts, the Trouts, the the Stantons, all I, I I was on board, I got all those. Those are guys 27, 28, in their prime, clearly the dudes. Those are the guys you go pay that money if it's 10 years, 12 years, whatever, you go do that. Fernando Tatis has played less than a full season's worth of games in the MLB. It's like 130 games that he's played, which I guess 100, on a normal three. Right. So, okay. So about a season's worth of games. And yes, he's been fantastic. And yes, he has sort of uh, breathed life back into this Padres organization that's really trying to cement itself as a contender uh, in the NL and in the major leagues as a whole. But to give this kind of guaranteed money out to essentially a one-year star and to give him a no-trade clause at 22 years old, you have absolutely built your future foundation on this kid. And yeah, they signed Manny Machado to a real big contract too, so he's there. But it's clear that this is the image, this is the the, the image of the team, the, the leader of the team in the eyes of fans and the way that they're perceived. So that seems extremely risky to me. That's That's my thought on it. I get it when it's Mookie Betts. I get it when it's Mike Trout. Like, those are no-brainers. I get Manny Machado, even. And his was a little 300, I think, for, what, 8 or 10 years? A little bit less, not quite as long. But I get it for these guys. Fernando Tatis, I think he's obviously a fun player to watch, and he's one of the young stars. But to give that much guaranteed money with a no-trade out for Fernando Tatis as a 22-year-old with 140 games under his belt. I just, I would not, I I don't know if it's a good decision. I don't know if it's it's the right thing to do. It worries me. I'm just glad my team didn't do it. Like, I'm <laughs> glad somebody else did it, you know? Yeah, there, there are multiple ways that this could pan out for the Padres because 
let's just put this into perspective. Collectively, between the two contracts that Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. have signed, that is 24 years and $640 million they have tied up in two guys. Right. And for the next so, 10 years, you've committed to both those guys at like almost $30 million a year, you know, each. Right. So, so I mean, there's a couple. If the Padres build around them, this makes total sense. If if Fernando Tatis winds up being the guy that they hope that he could be, and I think that the, the guy that we think that he's going to be, then sure, it's absolutely worth it. But my worry is, is Mike Trout got the same contract in Los Angeles, and they've never put a winner around him. And so, yeah, you're getting paid and you're making a ton of money, but you know how much do you value winning at this point? And so, I, I think for for Tatis to sign that long term deal in San Diego, and obviously, obviously, three hundred forty million dollars. I mean, that's an attractive number. But you must think that they're committed to building a winner around you. Well, listen, and, when somebody offers you three hundred forty million dollars guaranteed, like you don't turn that down. No, <laughs> you, but, there's I mean, no reason why he would. You know. But I mean, how much do you want to win, though? I mean, I think that's what that comes down to. If the he's Padres, twenty-two are- years old, Mitch, I don't think he's cared about winning, and I don't blame him. He doesn't need to be right now. It's guys that hit twenty-eight and thirty that start thinking, "Wow, I've been in the majors for eight to ten years, and I've never played at the highest. Like, I've never gotten to the highest stage. I'd like to do that before my career's over." Like, but here's, I think, but yeah, but you here's know, the problem is like, now he's going to have to wait until he's that age to make that decision. And so, I mean, 36 when this contract is up. So, yeah, is is he ever going to have the opportunity to do that? Is he even going to see the end of this contract? That's my question. Yeah. Like, these guys, like, these mega contracts. So, like, again, Mike Trout's best player in the league. You pay that guy whatever it takes. But Fernando Tatis is 22 years old, and you just locked yourself into a decade and a half of guaranteed money with a no trade. You can't trade the kid if he just starts sucking in three years. I mean, you're so, going to have to cut so him or brings, he's going to have to approve a trade. I mean, yeah. I mean, and this brings up the conversation of are these mega deals worth it? I think I mean, some of them. Yes. I don't know. This is the first time. Like I said, this is the first time that I have really questioned whether this was the right decision or not on one of these. I, I, I think so. Because again, the other guys established players had won MVPs, had had proven they are the guys that can win. And, and some of them, like in Mookie Betts' case, won a World Series as an MVP for the Boston Red Sox team. You know, like that's a guy that earns that money, earns that paycheck. Fernando Tatis has not earned this 14-year, $340 million contract. He has sure. not. This is purely projection. And it seems like like a bad business decision to invest $300 million into potential. It's like if we paid this, these guys out of the NBA draft at 19 years old, max contracts, like sure. You may like that college year looked really good. Or maybe that first year in the NBA looked really good, but you're really paying Trey young $40 million a year after year one. No, that's why they're four, five year contract, five years for first round picks before you have to commit long term. The the Padres jumped the gun, in in my opinion, and I would worry about how this works out long term. Now, short term, exciting stuff. He's an exciting player. Him and Machado, that's going to be good enough to be a borderline 
uh, postseason team, uh, right? You you build around them. You could be better, like you mentioned. But it, it's just a very interesting business decision, in my opinion. I'm not yeah. sure how I feel about it. I mean, it, it makes sense, like, offer a 27-year-old who's proven. Like, you talked about, like, we talked about Mike Trout. We talked about uh, Bryce Harper. Garrett Cole is another one that comes to mind. Bryce Harper, signed, yeah, that's another, that's another great one. That was, uh, you know, Br- free agent. Garrett Cole just signed mm-hmm. with the Yankees for nine years, 324. Right. I mean, and he's an established pitcher. You know, th- those make sense. But when you're when you're investing in a 22-year-old that has essentially what comes down to one great year put together. Right. Yeah, yeah I think he hit 301. He it was 34 in. home runs or something like that over his yeah, career so far, you nine, know. 98 ribbies. I mean, it's a nice, if that was a full, complete, just one season of work over one year, that would be a very encouraging number. I mean, I think it's I not $340 million worth over 14 no, years of guaranteed no. money as a no we were, trade clause. Like, we were I just talking about how fat Mike Trout's contract was going to be when he was 26, 27. Right. And he had won MVPs. He had put together what exactly. looked like it's going to be a Hall of Fame career. And, I mean, as of right now, he should be a Hall of Famer. No doubt. No matter if it ended tomorrow. Right. So, I mean, yeah, you're. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said they just jumped the gun. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to pay a 22-year-old that much money when you're really banking on one year's performance. We've seen plenty of guys have one great year before. and then, A lot of guys, and in then, fact. Yeah. <laughs> you and know? then never, never, ever have like yeah. that performance. He's so. 22 years old. There's so much ahead of him in his career. There's no way to know how it's going to play out. And you just committed your entire future of your franchise behind this kid, you know? And again, like, and if it worked, like there is a scenario that it works out. I want to be fair to Padres and the Padres fans that could be out there. Like there's a scenario that it works out. And you look at the numbers, they're only committing a- annually about $24 million a year. That's a bargain, for a top tier player in the in the major leagues. So if he becomes a consistent all-star MVP caliber player over his career, then this is a steal. This is an absolute steal. So that's obviously the risk here. There's a huge risk reward here. If it pays off, you you've gotten a star player for cheap and he can't get out of it. <laughs> like and you and you've got that control. On the flip side, if he sucks, you can't get rid of him, and and you're stuck with him. So it's it's kind of both. But again, the age, the lack of just the numbers behind him, you know. Again, only the years work. It just it, that would worry me as a fan if I were. I'm glad I'm not. I'm glad it's the Padres. You know, I could give a shit about the Padres, Mitch. I think they're posers. Trying to compete with the Dodgers in the NL West. It's not going to work. You can't just shell money out like you're LA and expect to to win big like they have. So I don't think this is going to work. But oh, so it's you're fascinating. This, you're calling this – so you're calling for this essentially to be one of the worst contracts in MLB history. I don't think it'll be – I'm not saying it'll be one of the worst. I don't think it'll. they'll get I mean, the value when you, from when this. You, I think well, it's impossible to get your value from this. I think it's impossible to say right now you're going to get your value from this. There's no way to know. And there's so many variables in this case that I'm going to take the overwhelming odds that this doesn't work out perfectly for the Padres. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think if we're going to learn anything from this, just don't offer guys under the age of 26 over four-year deals. Who haven't I'm- won an MVP or led your team to a World Series, or played at a high level for three consecutive seasons, right? Like, 
you know, if you had some of that, you could, sure, you could talk yourself into it. It makes sense. But again, uh, as we've talked about here, not quite the case. So fascinating stuff. Uh, Padres, again, like I said, made, making some moves. Uh, and, and Mitch, uh, pitchers and catchers reported this last week. Let's go. I'm stoked. Spring, spring trainings, spring, spring trainings up, baby. We're I'm, going. I'm so stoked for this baseball season. I'm so excited to see what's going to happen. I it's, mean, fun. it's fun. It's fun. And, and back to normal. You know, after last year, it was almost there. About a month away, a couple of weeks away from opening day, uh, before everything kind of got postponed and pulled back till till June. I think is when they started again. But. Uh, nice that it's, yeah, it just feels like normal or back in the swing of things, you know? Yeah. I mean, the 60, the 60 game season was, it was fun because we hadn't had it for so long. Yeah. We, we hadn't had baseball. We hadn't had really any sports. So it yeah, was, it was, that was ni- the first major sport to come back. So it was like, it was fun because then it, you know, it just was a different dynamic, but I'm excited to see a full MLB season put back together. I'm ready for pitchers and catchers. Um, I'm, I'm stoked on this season. A's are going to probably suck. A's are probably going to suck, but you know, you can't lose that many pieces and have that little money and expect to compete. Yeah, that is, but, that is you know, true. You I don't, think the Dodgers will be pretty good. Yeah, I don't you know, think you know nothing about that because this, you guys can just young, buy young, whoever the hell under you want. the radar exciting team in Los Angeles that I think is going to make some moves, and under it's not the, the Angels. I'm telling yeah. you that. <laughs> All right, Mitch. Let's move to the NFL here. Uh, We're going to talk quarterbacks here, and we're going to start with the Carson Wentz trade. We haven't done a podcast in a couple weeks. This trade happened a little bit ago, but we haven't had a chance to kind of break it down here. So uh, we're going to give our thoughts here on this trade. Carson Wentz moving from Philadelphia to the Indianapolis Colts, reuniting with Frank Reich, who was the OC in Philadelphia during the Super Bowl year, his MVP caliber season in Philadelphia. Now he is the head coach in Indianapolis. They get their guy. And honestly, Mitch, the trade package was not that much. I think it was pretty reasonable. They gave up the 85th pick in this year's draft, which is a third rounder. And then a conditional second in 2022. Now, the condition on this pick is if Carson Wentz plays 75% of the offensive snaps in 2022, it'll become a first rounder next season. That's pretty good incentive for Philly. If he works out and he's the full-time starter, you're going to get a first-round pick for him. That's way more than you thought you could have got for uh, Carson Wentz. On top of that, you got a third in this year's draft as well. So, worst-case scenario, it's a third and a second. I think that's pretty fair value, I would say, uh, for Carson Wentz based on what we have seen and, and where things have gone in his career. I guess my question for you, Mitch, is this the right place for Carson Wentz, and are you optimistic or pessimistic as far as how you think things will go for him in Indianapolis? First off, let me say, thank God he's not a Chicago Bear. Yes, yes. I was so worried for your Bears. Everything kept saying, Bears are offering. I'm like, please don't do this stupid thing. You already have two mediocre quarterbacks, right? Like, well, here's, need- the thi- here's the thing is I don't think it would have been right for the Bears for obvious reasons when we're struggling to find a quarterback since Sid Luckman in the 1950s. <laughs> That's disrespect to Jimmy Mack. He had a great, he had a no, great head Jim McMahon was fine. Jim McMahon I know, was fine, I know. but... Uh, you know, when we're when a franchise that's struggling to find a quarterback, I don't think that would have been fair to the Chicago, to the Chicago Bears. I don't think it would have been fair to Carson Wentz either, because 
I don't think the Bears right now are in a state to groom a young quarterback. And I think if Carson Wentz had a chance to regroup, like, you know, re- reset almost the, his career, Indianapolis was the right choice. Here's the reason why. He's going to go play for Frank Reich, who he had worked with a lot in Philadelphia um, before he took the job in, in Indianapolis. Um, I, I think, actually, didn't he have his, like, MVP pace year with Frank yeah, Reich? Yeah, that, as I was saying earlier, yeah, so, that was his best season was under Frank Reich. So, you know, this is going to be – this is the best-case scenario for Carson Wentz, the player, because he gets a chance to go play for a guy that he's familiar with, that he has a good relationship with. Um, there, there, are que- there are still question marks on the offensive side of the ball um, as far as who he's going to be throwing to. I know T.Y. is a free agent, I think, this year. So, he thinks, you know, are they going to work something out with T.Y. Hilton? He does have a young wide receiver in Michael Pittman. Um, that showed flashes of uh, of brilliance. Which, by the way, Michael Pittman not giving Carson Wentz number eleven is a wild move. Love it. Wild I move on love team. it. It's your number, kid. Like I, who, I don't. Who's who's Carson? Who's Carson? I'm number eleven. Why am I gonna give this guy the jersey number? I love it. Go get your shit, Michael Pittman. Look, don't let I, don't let him move you around. Here's the deal. Come I, I, I kind of hope, be, being a Pat McAfee fan, I hope that Carson Wentz wears number one, brings number one back. Oh, yeah. And, and so, you know, wonder what that, he wear. I'm going to look up while you're talking what he wore in college. Uh, he wore, I don't know, I think he wore 11 also there, but um, at North, in North Dakota, I think is where he went, right? North Dakota State. North Dakota State. State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but I think this is a, this is a, this is the best case scenario move. Um, for he Carson was number Wentz. eleven. He was number eleven. Yeah. So there you go. Um, um, Chris Ballard also looks like a genius because you're going to put this guy in the best possible scenario, who still has a ton of talent. I think he needed to be in the right situation, and Chris Ballard bought him or got him pretty much at his absolute lowest value, and he did not have to spend a whole lot to go get Carson Wentz. And if Carson Wentz comes back and he, I, I I hope he does if he comes back for Indianapolis and he puts up similar years like he did two years ago when Frank Reich was in Philadelphia this is a complete win for Indianapolis um, he's also going to not play with a bottom five offensive line he's going to play with a top five offensive line he's yeah going, like he is really to, good offense he's gonna love Quentin Nelson I'll tell you that he's gonna, that guy's love gonna be his, his best friend line. Ryan he's, Kelly he's gonna love that guy he is gonna have a run game to support him with Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines and Marlon Mack, whatever combination they're going to go with there right. moving forward. Um, he, he's going to have all the things to succeed with. Plus, he's going to have, and I can't stress this enough, be working with a guy that he's had success with in the past. So this is a great situation for Carson Wentz. I think that Chris Ballard looks like an absolute genius. And I'll just punctuate it with this again. Thank God he's not a Chicago Bear for the Bears' sake and for Carson Wentz's sake. Yes. Yeah, and I think this is obvi- this is the obvious best fit for Carson Wentz. It was the obvious trade destination, trade partner, and I'm glad it worked out. At you, at again, I think this is pretty fair value. You say bottom value, this could be a third and a first. That's pretty good value. At not, at its worst, it's a, a second pick. and a third. I mean, this was a top pick three four years ago. For sure. You to, for you to get him at this price. I mean, that was when his value was at the absolute lowest. Sure, like, 
on paper, but we also have seen the ups and downs of Carson Wentz, and there were very high highs and very low lows, and there's also injuries that come into all of that, and the sort of dysfunction that happened last year in Philadelphia and the falling out between him and Doug Peterson, that would make you worry as a team as far as what kind of guy this is, what is his character like, why did that relationship fall apart, and how do we know it's not going to happen here, right? Now, again, Indianapolis, best place for this because, as we've already mentioned, his best success coming with Frank Reich. The, just, I think, that confidence and knowing that this is a guy, if I trust this play caller, if I trust that guy, you know, in Frank Reich, if I'm Carson Wentz, he has made me the most successful at this level. If I trust that guy that I could get back or at least close to that, we're going to be good. And I think they can because, as you mentioned, this was a playoff team last year with Phillip Rivers and they could improve upon a lot of things on this team, but mainly the pass-catching options. And improved pass-catching options, which they have the cap space for and they have the ability to go make those sort of moves, this could be, uh, this should be a playoff team next year, in my opinion. I, I would expect that, even with Carson Wentz as the new quarterback. So, I think this is a good move. I think it'll work out well for them. And even if that pick conveys to a first next year, it's probably because... One, well, he was a full-time starter, and if that's the case, it probably went pretty well for them, I would guess, and they, they probably became a playoff team, and for them, that's worth it for, for a future starting quarterback. I will bring up this with Carson Wentz. A few years into the league, right, he only drafted in, what, 2016, five years in the league, 28 years old, so young inexperience, quote-unquote, but he is older for a quarterback at his sort of uh, age in the NFL, and that is something interesting moving forward. To how do they long, how, how, you know, how much do they commit to him long term? What does he look like at the end of this next contract when he's probably thirty-two, uh, you know, around that age? But they got him at his best. This is peak prime, you know, twenty-seven, twenty-eight. That's when you want a quarterback, and they got a quarterback who has played at an MVP level, who, like you said, was a number one pick for pretty good value as you mentioned and that's that's a win for the Colts and I think it's the right decision for the Eagles by the way on on that route I don't know where they go I don't know if it's Hurts I don't know if it's a quarterback in this draft but moving on from Carson Wentz was the right move uh uh, they just needed a fresh break and a new start no matter what both of those uh, parties and I think this will work out well for both of them moving forward different circumstances but I do want to say that there was another quarterback that had a later start to his career and wound up being a Hall of Famer, Steve Young. So I do want to point that out too, that he had a later start in his career playing in Tampa Bay before coming to San Francisco and succeeding Joe Montana. So um, the age thing does not really worry me that much. Um, We have seen it happen before with guys that get a later start. So the age thing doesn't bother me too much. Um, I feel like he just might be a late bloomer like Steve Young was. And I, I'm not saying he's going to Well, put, I'm not I'm even not, suggesting he's not a late bloomer because, I mean, he's bloomed already. You have an MVP caliber season. Like, we've seen that already. The question is, can he get back there? Or was that the one time we were going to see that in his career? You know what I mean? Uh, and well, obviously, saw, Indianapolis we, is banking on... We're seeing it with Ryan Tannehill right now. We're seeing it with Ryan Tannehill right now. That's And that's a great so, example. A guy who just didn't work out in Miami for for reasons, n- numerous reasons, the team around him, the fits, you know, a lot of things, but goes to Tennessee, a team that was ready to compete. They just needed a quarterback to get them there, and they did it. And Indianapolis, a team that did compete last year with Phillip Rivers, did compete before with Andrew Luck, before he, you know, abruptly retired. And so looking for that quarterback solution, 
I think you could be optimistic about Carson Wentz. I that's that's my thought. I think we're both on the same page there. Yeah, I'm not putting all I'm not putting all my chips in on Carson Wentz, but I think you can be no. optimistic about. No, and it. and I think that this is probably I wouldn't be super. I think they're a playoff team next year, but I would expect their best seasons will come in two to three years from now. Once he has a year plus in Indianapolis, this team's very young. Their core is very young. No one's going anywhere. So they have time to really make a, a long, sustained run, I think. And so uh, I think the six, the best success from them will come two or three years down the road. In one word, I don't want to put you on the spot here. Will they win the AFC South? I would pick them to win next year, yes. Yeah, I'd pick them to win next year. That was year. more than one word, but okay. I just wanted to. <laughs> I'm horrible <laughs> at that. Well... Well, yes. it's yes or no. So, like, okay, cool. Hot take. There we go. I like it. Yeah, I think so. And All right, Mitch. Uh, a little bit, an- another little uh, quarterback news. Uh, not a lot of details with this, but Big Ben Roethlisberger's agent and uh, Rooney, the owner of the Steelers, both confirmed Big Ben will be back with the Steelers next season. Uh that is news because there was a question about whether or not that was going to work. My biggest thought with this, Mitch, and the biggest concern moving forward is how they handle his cap number. Because right now he sits at a $41 million cap hit. And they can do absolutely nothing with that cap hit on their books. There are ways to move around the, the money. We've seen teams do it already. Uh They'll convert a big chunk of this into a signing bonus. They'll pay that out as cash and then save themselves the room against the cap, the which will now be projected, I think, 180 or 185 million. So they're going to need that space to do anything in free agency. And they have a number of guys they need to resign, including Juju Smith-Schuster and Bud Dupree, two key players on both sides of the ball. So... Uh, Mitch, I guess first your thoughts on Big Ben coming back, right move, wrong move. Should the Steelers, not on the Big Ben side, should the Steelers want Big Ben back? And do you think that it's the right move to to roll it back another year and see what they can do uh, in 2021? Well, I so I, I want to bring up some comments that GM Kevin Colbert brought up a couple weeks ago. It says, as we sit here today, Ben is a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He reiterated to us that he wants to continue to play. We told him we have to look at our current situation. Now, when Kevin Colbert said those words, obviously the first thing that goes through your head is, sounds like he's not going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler because they're, they're reassessing things. It's not, it went, based off those comments, it sounds like they're they're ready to move on in some, in some way. The, the fact that Ben's coming back now I think is a good move because honestly, right now, I don't think that they have anyone that could succeed him and succeed right now. There's Mason Rudolph who has not had a whole lot of success behind him. And then Dwayne Haskins and Dwayne Haskins obviously has been a flop so far looking at his, his, his short time in in Washington. So that's a project sort of quarterback. That's not a guy you think can come compete for your starting job next year. And, and Ben put up decent numbers last year, 65.6%. Percent completion percentage, thirty-eight hundred yards, thirty-three touchdowns, ten picks. Um, it you know he, you know he put up good numbers. He put up good numbers for a guy that his that's his age. I don't think that anything outside of a two. I think anything outside of a two-year deal with Big Ben is going to be just absurd. I think two years, a two-year deal as far as contracts go is going to be the absolute max that you want to bring Ben Big Ben back for because. 
they're not right now in a spot to draft a quarterback that's going to be of much. Uh, you, you're not going to if you, they're at the later half of the draft. If you're not, if you're going to draft a quarterback, uh, you're not getting one in the late first round right now. All the one, all the other good ones are going early. So if you bring them back for two years, that means that gives you one year of Big Ben, one more year of Big Ben, and then it gives you that buffer year. So uh, let's say that that again. Maybe the quarterback draft class, things are going earlier. Let's say the quarterback draft class is not that strong next year. You know, they have that one-year buffer. So I feel like two years for Big Ben should be the deal that they bring him back for. I think they owe it to him. They brought him Super Bowls. Um, This guy has been uh, the face of the franchise for the last 15 years. Um, Big Ben is, is, I I think, next to Terry Bradshaw. Um, What you think of when it comes to Pittsburgh quarterbacks. Uh, and I think they owe him that last short-term deal um, while they figure out the quarterback situation that's going to follow him. Yeah, so he is still under contract. It's it's not a case of signing him to a new contract right now. Okay. It's just a matter of bringing him back and deciding what that figure looks like. Because again, the cap hit for him in 2021 is $41 million well, and they just take can't that take that money. Yeah. If they were to release him, they still would have a dead cap hit of 22 mil. So that's not a, you know, that's not a situation either. They need to have cap space to use. And if they're going to have 22 million on their books, well, you might as well have that 22 million with a player in big Ben who's actually playing. So it makes sense financially to bring them back because you're not going to be able to trade him. You can't take the dead cap hit. Can you convert a lot of this into the signing bonus and restructure it in a way so the cap hit isn't as big? Sure. Uh, and ultimately, too, as you mentioned, the options in replacing him are, are not good. The draft is not an option. The in-house options are not very good options. And then outside of that, we talked about the cap space and the limited cap space. You can't afford to go pay a quarterback $10 million a year or more, honestly, and $10 million doesn't get you that good of a quarterback, you know? So they are really kind of stuck with him. The good news for the Steelers is that he is an unrestricted free agent in 2022. So him coming back in 2021 basically assures that he's done this next year. And he'll be 40 in 2022. And he'll played, uh, I think this is his 18th season. Uh, so... You know, a long career. I think this is fine to bring it back for one more year because ultimately their options are just not great otherwise. Uh, they just don't have the means to get a improvement at quarterback and to take on that much dead cap money and not have a player that's playing for you. You might as well roll ben, Big Ben back. And as you mentioned, wasn't horrible last year. Now, he's obviously limited physically. The age is evident in, in some of his throws, but he's not a horrible quarterback. He's not... 2015 Peyton Manning right now yet no. so he, he got you to 11 and 5 you feel like you got there and you had it and you just burned out and you probably feel like you can run it back and get there I'm not as optimistic on the outside looking in but I'm sure the Steelers are optimistic internally that they could get there and play at the level that they did last year but just sustain it and we'll see if that's the case but that's the situation they're in. Makes sense to bring him back because, as you mentioned, not a lot of options either way. 
Peyton Manning just ruined everything for old quarterbacks. And, he, and that and that's I the mean, standard now. If you look like that, it's time to go, basically. You know? Yeah, I mean, like, he just he just ruined that for all old, all old quarterbacks except for Tom Brady because like, yeah. oh yeah, I had that one great year. We ran it back and and won a Super Bowl, and I was I was on the back end of my career. But now everyone expects that these old quarterbacks can just run it back for one more time, and not everyone's built that way. Peyton was yep. built that way. Tom Brady's obviously built that way. I don't think Big Peyton ben was horrible his last season, though. That's what I'm saying. Big Ben's not horrible well, should, yet. Yeah. Peyton was horrible in 2015 and was decent in the playoffs, <laughs> enough to win a Super Bowl miraculously. Well, but like he got defense, benched for but... Brock Osweiler, so that's how bad he was in 2015. But again, like Big Ben has, is is not that bad at all. You know, he's still a capable quarterback. So could it be better? Yes. They don't have a lot of options. So. Ben will stay in, in Pittsburgh, and that leads us to Mitch. Uh, we just kind of wanted to hit on some of the notable quarterbacks who could be on the move uh, in the next, you know, coming weeks, honestly, before as we approach free agency, uh, and then ultimately as we approach the NFL draft, uh, teams will make decisions on the future of their quarterback uh, and their team in general, and uh, some of these guys could be moving. So we're just going to go through a handful of uh, quarterbacks notable quarterbacks and our thoughts on whether we think they'll move from their current team and if so where we think they will end up and we're going to start with the obvious the number one the biggest name on the market if you will Deshaun Watson Mitch does he go and if so where does he go I think he goes I think you think so I think I think once they demands the trade I think he goes or he did already but you know I I think that he is going to wind up somewhere else uh, I think he'll force the hand pretty much. And I think he winds up in Carolina. I think he winds up in Carolina. Oh, man. Now, I don't know. I'm ready. I don't know what they give up for that. <laughs> you had mentioned everything. La- now, last the keys night. to the stadium. Last night when we were talking, you had said you saw draft like draft packages for like three or trade packages for like three firsts and Brian Burns and Christian McCaffrey, which is just absurd. But yes. I think that the three firsts are going to have to come along with it, with, a, with whatever combination of players go along with it, uh, whether that's Teddy Bridgewater that goes in the trade or whatever. But, um, yeah, I think Deshaun Watson's out of Houston, and I think he goes to Carolina. Um, I would love that, obviously. Um, I don't think he leaves, though. I think he stays in Houston. We just don't see this kind of movement in the NFL. We really don't. And it would be the first of its kind if it does, which is why I'm sort of hedging my bet by saying it's not going to happen. We see this often in the NBA, and it's become the trend of the, the, the star who decides the team's not doing enough for him moves on and forces his way out. And now in the NBA, you get your wish if you want James, out. James Harden. I mean, the list starts with, you know, a long ways back and it continues through until, yeah, just this year with James Harden. But so many stars decide they want out and they get out. And we don't see that in the NFL. This could be the first time it happens. A hundred percent it could be. I'm going to bet that it doesn't. There's just, it has to be an absolute lost situation where Deshaun Watson says, I am a thousand percent not showing up next year if you don't trade me. I will not play a single game. I'm not showing up to training camp. I'm sitting my ass on my couch unless you trade me. Unless he is that adamant, I think he stays. 
You have to work it out. You can't trade a guy away at 25 years old who is a top five quarterback in the league. You don't do that as a business decision. Now, if he forces your hand, like I said, then you might. I'm going to bet against it. But listen, hey, like I love your prediction. Don't get me wrong. I would be the first one to buy the Sean Watson Panthers jersey in that beautiful electric blue. But hey, I just don't think it's going to happen. I'll stay I'll stay hopeful for you. But I pray for it every night. So that <laughs> Good for you. All right. Uh the other one which is is a almost a more interesting situation arguably is the Dak Prescott. Now he's kind of in this he's been franchise tagged. Will they franchise tag him again? I think the hit is like it's like 36 mil which is top top tier quarterback money. And obviously they don't want to pay him long term cuz they don't think he's the guy. So how are you going to then commit to paying the guy $36 million in one year? It seems like the most likely thing. And what I'm going to predict is that Dak stays in Dallas on the tag for another year. And then next season becomes the really intriguing, could Dak go somewhere? Could they trade him somewhere and get some value uh, instead of you know resigning him? You can't franchise tag him for the third time. So they're going to be forced into a decision next year. So I think they push the can down the road. And they franchise tag him again this year, and Dak plays with the Cowboys. I'm 100% on board with you. I think he's going to get tagged again, and next year is going to be the year that we talk about where Dak is going to go because he can't get tagged again if he can't agree to anything. Jerry Jones obviously is not interested in offering him a long-term deal. If he did, he would have offered it a long time ago. So Yeah, before when you were smart because you didn't have to pay him as much. Now you got to pay him more. Yeah. Than you would have. So. so Jerry Jones screwed the pooch on this one. Yeah. Yeah, he did. You, it was you, a bad lost, decision. You, you lost out on a franchise quarterback because you weren't willing to pay the guy. Right. Um, when he was fully warranted of being paid. So, um, yeah, I think he gets franchise tagged again. I think he plays a year with Dallas. And then, you know, he's going to wind up somewhere else. I mean, obviously, as a fantasy owner of uh, Dak Prescott, uh, I kind of hope that he blows up with Dallas this year. But. Yeah, Dallas is a great situation. There's not a lot better that he could find. I will say, though, Mitch, if he does become available this year, if the Cowboys say we're going to tag him and trade him and move on, I think I think the clear favorite would be Carolina, who has been so heavy in the quarterback market, and this would be a trade they could more fully pull off. With a top 10 pick you could offer to the Cowboys to go get their quarterback of the future. And maybe they want to trade up for a Zach Wilson or Fields. They can't get there with the draft capital they have now. You can if you have the number 8 pick. All of a sudden the Jets and the Dolphins might actually listen if they're only moving back to 8. So if that's the direction Dallas wants to go and they do want to move on from Dak, I 100% believe Carolina would be the favorite and they would absolutely offer a fair or above market value price for Dak Prescott. And I would be very happy for that. I think he would be very good in Carolina. Mm. So yeah. uh, next quarterback on the list here, Mitch, my boy, Cameron Newton. Now things didn't work out fantastic in, in New England this past season. That team was not good. And I'm going to give Cam the benefit of the doubt here a little bit because we saw how bad that team made Tom Brady look in 2019. Do you remember that? Like, he made Tom Brady look kind of sus. And after the season, people were like, I don't know, Tom, like, 
maybe should ret- maybe shouldn't keep like there was real questions about Tom Brady after the 2019 campaign because that New England team and the in the 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 pieces around him were so bad. They didn't get any better under Cam and they went 7 and 9. So I think Cam still has some juice left. I still think he could be a a successful starting level quarterback. I think there's two obvious options, but my bet is that he resigns with New England and that he resigns another short-term deal for more than a million dollars. Okay, he's going to get a little more fairer compensation here, but a one to two year deal with New England to say, hey, let's Let's bring it back. Let's, you know, seven and nine, it wasn't a horrible campaign. Like it didn't look good at times, but this was not a horrible team. And you consider the roster around him. I think he didn't do that bad. And I think there were good moments and you could see Cam power running red zone. Cam is still a threat. He still exists. And he proved that last year that can be utilized by a smart play caller. And I think New England, having already had him in the system for a year, he liked it there. Everything out of camp, everything out of there says he liked New England. He liked McDaniels. He liked Bill. They seemed, I think they liked him. It's just going to be a matter of the money works for them. But I think my, my best bet is that he resigns with New England on a short-term deal. And it looks, hopefully, for their sake, better than it did last year. This is the one guy on our list that I don't know if there's a real clear choice of where he there's, goes. There's not. There really isn't. There's and, so many places he could go. And, I, I, and I'm and i on the opposite end of you where I think his days as a starting quarterback are done. I think if he goes somewhere, he's going to be a backup. And he'll be a great backup. I think he's going to be a great backup wherever he goes. I think the easy choice, the easy decision is to say that he's going to re-sign with New England and that they'll, they'll try this they'll try this thing again on another one-year deal. Um... But humor me for just a second when I say that he goes to a place like the Jets. When they move on from Sam Darnold and they flub a draft pick. They go ahead, they say, Hey, we're not gonna take we're not gonna get Trevor Lawrence, so we're not we're gonna take someone else. And they go ahead and re-sign and they go ahead and sign Cam Newton. And Cam Newton is now thrust in to this starting job that he's now going to have in New York. And he's going to, and they're going to have to figure out to make it work. They're going to have to restructure them. They got a brand new head coach. They're going to have to figure out how to structure, you know, what we're going to do with Cam Newton. Why not the jets? Well, I thought you said he wasn't going to be a starter though, but you, so you think he'd be a starter for the jets though, if they picked a quarterback at two, no, if they didn't pick a quarterback. So if they didn't take, if they didn't take Trevor, if they couldn't get Trevor Lawrence, what if they took a defense? I know what I know what you're thinking too. It's like, well, if they don't get Trevor Lawrence, they're going to take Zach Wilson. Or right? I mean, they're going to take somebody at two, right? Or they're going to hold on to Sam Darnold. So that's why I'm like, I don't know if they would trade Sam. Now maybe they bring in Newton to compete with Darnold as a, I guess here's to bring somebody else in so the job isn't guaranteed for you. And I think that's very possible for a Cam Newton role with any number of teams who have a young quarterback or draft a young quarterback and want to bring in the the the, the Tarod Taylor. You know what I mean? Where the Chargers brought him in to be the competitor with Justin Herbert when you knew 
eventually the young guy's going to get take over the job and be the guy. You need a de facto starter who's okay. an adult in the room. Here's the, so okay. maybe in so that situation, I could see them drafting a quarterback at two. All right, so here's a situation. Maybe signing Cam. Here's a situation outside of the Jets. What about Denver? Bring someone in. Comp- bring so- if they don't get to Sean yeah. Watson, if they don't get to Sean Watson, bring someone in to compete with Drew Locke. Denver's another tough one for me. No idea where they're going to go. My 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 gut is they stick with Locke because they, for lack of better words, they seem locked into that. They like they don't have the, there's not options on the free agency market that are significantly better, and they're not in a draft position to get a better you know a top three or four guy. So unless you're reaching for Mac Jones, maybe that's maybe that's the option they go is bringing in a veteran to compete. And I think Cam could definitely be an option there. I don't think he would go for personal reasons, and that's the Super Bowl. But I, but but it makes sense. Like it, it makes sense football wise. Um, but Cam's a hard one. The, the, Cam is He's, a hard one he to is fit. Really hard. And the thing is, Mitch, what ultimately is going to happen with Cam Newton, which is what happened last year, and it won't. The time frame will be different, but he will be one of the last pieces to fall. We saw it last year. He was like the very last piece to fall, and he left with he was left with no money. It's not going to happen the same this year, but he's gonna he's gonna be one of the last few pieces to sign. And I really do think, Mitch, if a team doesn't have a veteran in place and drafts a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance, I think that team should look to sign Cam Newton as that de facto starter who can play a similar system to these guys, who can give them experience and leadership and counsel as to what it is to be a quarterback in the NFL. For those guys, a running quarterback, a black quarterback in the NFL, and here's a guy who's been successful at the highest level doing all of these things that he has done in his career would be a great sort of mentor for a guy like that. Now, the hardest thing about that is what team gets those guys and what's the situation and is Cam, you know, a fit there, but... That's the sort of scenario that makes sense for me if if they don't roll it back in New England. So I'm I'm I get where you're going with with Denver and New York in that regard because that's what you're thinking. You know, I, I, him sort of competing with a young quarterback as a quote unquote starter level backup, the Ryan Fitzpatrick's, the Tarod Taylors of the world, as I mentioned. Sure. Yep. So. Exactly. All right, uh, Cam Newton. Let's go to Sam Darnold. Speaking of the Jets, so. To me, Mitch, there's uh, no question that they're going to move on from Sam Darnold. I think they're going to draft a quarterback at two, and you would just be, I think you'd be better off trading him and getting something for him than holding on and letting him sit behind Fields or Wilson. So I think he moves. And I think there's two destinations that make a lot of sense in my mind. But the one I'm going to go with is your Chicago Bears. I think that's the best. I think... There is a situation where he goes to San Francisco and that could be very successful for him. But then you have a lot of moving pieces. What happens with Garoppolo? A lot of moving pieces there. The easiest solution is they trade him for a third round pick and he goes to Chicago with Nick Foles as the backup and he gets to compete for that starting job in, in a new place and a new system and and. Maybe that's not the ideal situation. It's not a much better situation than New York, if we're being honest. It's not, like, fantastically better, but is is a new, fresh look, and that's honestly what I think he needs is just a new opportunity with a a fan base that hasn't already made up their mind on what he is and what he can be. I'm going to talk about this as a fan. I hope he's a Chicago Bear. Okay, so you're, you're with that. I am with Sam Darnold being a Chicago Bear. I am all in on that. I'm really scared that he becomes a 49er 
because that's a really good situation for him because he's a USC guy goes back to California plays for the 49ers. (laughs) I mean, that just makes a whole lot of sense. Um, and moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo, it, it, it makes a lot of sense for the Niners to do that, but I am praying that he's a Chicago bear because I think that there's a lot to work with, with this guy. Um, and that um, he would be a good fit. I think he's a good fit in, in Chicago. I think that this kind of um, short to intermediate pass game that they like to utilize in Chicago, that they've been criticized a lot about not pushing the ball down the field, but that's kind of Sam Darnold's game. He's not the push the ball down the field type of guy. Um, fits that fits that kind of scheme, fits that game plan. Um, David Montgomery kind of showed that he could be a, a great supporting running back in that offense. So I feel like Sam Darnold needs that running back presence with him and he can get that in Chicago. So I, I love, I am praying that he's a Chicago bear, but him becoming a Niner kind of scares me too, because I feel like that's a, also a very viable option. So Mitch, let's continue to talk about this here and let's transition to Jimmy Garoppolo because the Darnold to San Francisco, uh, situation, it's intriguing, but with it comes the caveat that Jimmy Garoppolo would have to be moved. Now, from what I understand, based on the cap right now and his contract, they could basically move on for nothing. If they if they just cut Jimmy G, they could move on and lose nothing out of it. Obviously, he has trade value, so they wouldn't cut him. The question, though, that I have is if they were to make a move with Sam Darnold, do you think that's a better solution in 2021 than bringing back Jimmy G? I don't think so. I would argue it's not. I think Sam Darnold needs a couple years before he's going to be that sort of guy. Do you want to tank 2021 for Sam Darnold development? And two, if you do feel like that's an improvement, who are you trading Jerry Jimmy Garoppolo to? Where does Jimmy Garoppolo go? So that's the question here, Mitch. Where's Jimmy Garoppolo playing in 2021? We picked Sam Darnold to go to the Bears, so I'm assuming... We both picked him to stay in San Francisco. But if you had him staying in San Francisco, I will ask, if he were to get traded, what hypothetical place could you see as a possibility? You know, Jimmy G's another tricky one. He's another one I could see going to Chicago. He's an Eastern Illinois yeah, guy. Right. Um, more established. He's 29 years old. Um, his contract, he's got two years, 43 and a half, or 53 and a half million remaining on it. That's not um, bad. Not That's bad pretty average on. for an average quarterback. You know, it's pretty so, fair. You know, that wouldn't be a bad move for Chicago either. I, I, I'd be okay with having Jimmy G. I mean, obviously, our quarterback, our quarterback room just got way more handsome when Jimmy G walks in. So, um, Jimmy, Jimmy GQ, baby. So it, you know, it. I would be okay with with Jimmy Garoppolo as well in Chicago. Um, as far as other places that I could see him going, um, there's also been talks about him going back to New England. So yeah, I've seen that one. That one is like it makes sense, but ultimately you'd have to know if they had interest in bringing him back. They might not care to have him anymore. Like, and that's gonna that's a real question there. As much as it makes sense, sure they liked him before. Why not? But that's easier that that's that's not inherent that they'd want him back after all this time you know right and when he was I mean when he was dealt to San Francisco there was the talk about who should 
I mean, should they just stick with Jimmy G at quarterback yeah. and inherit? I mean, their it was future? all on it was all on potential. I mean, San Francisco signed him to that big four year contract, and he hadn't played like at all for them. Essentially, it was the Fernando you know? Tatis experiment again, they except decided- for a little. It wasn't 14 years in a no, no trade clause, but yes, it was the contract on a small on, sample on size. potential. But the so. dif- the difference and what and where San Francisco was wise in this is now, Mitch. Here we are, two years later, and they can get out of his contract for no money. They paid him all that money, but they front loaded it all in right. signing bonus and heavy salary hits the beginning years, so that if he wasn't that good, like. Maybe he is now. He's maybe not that good. Maybe you think you can improve there. Well, now you can move on for nothing. You've left yourself the ability to upgrade the position. Very wise by the San Francisco 49ers. You have him staying, though, in San Francisco for 2021, correct? As your prediction? I I think so. I think if there's anywhere he goes, it's Chicago because of the Eastern Illinois ties. But I, I think that he stays in San Francisco. Yeah, I would predict as well that he stays in San Fran. But if they were to make a move for another quarterback and offload Garoppolo, two places that come to mind off the top of my head, any team that believes they are an average to above average quarterback away from competing and being a playoff team is going to make a move for a Jimmy Garoppolo type. So I'm looking at Denver a team that we mentioned earlier, or the Washington football team who sees themselves as a really good team, just need a quarterback to be competent for a year and they can win nine or 10 games, right? I think Garoppolo and Washington would be a really good fit. I think they would be a solid playoff team with a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. And you'd still have Tyler, Tyler, Taylor Heineke. If you love that kid, he gets to sit behind and develop and he's got to, you know, he could be in your Kyle Allen. He's still there, but brings you a solid experienced starter. I think Jimmy Garoppolo in Washington would be great if they did move and look to improve at the quarterback position in in San Francisco. I mean, Washington just just did just extend Heineke. So right to a very moderate cut. It's like eight years, two years, two, two years, eight mil or something like that. You know, know. that's, that's still something to note, I guess. (laughs) Right. I mean, again, they are intrigued and no reason not to be after his playoff performance. He balled out in the playoffs. So no doubt. Uh, A couple names here uh, before we wrap up with this, Jameis Winston, Stay right. in New Orleans. Stay in New Orleans. And I think yeah. ultimately, I'm going to be honest, Mitch, there's a lot of smoke that they like Jameis. They want him to be the guy the next year. I still 100% believe Taysom's the guy. I think they're hyping up Jameis on purpose. I think you're hyping up Taysom. So. But I think that either way, they're going to keep him. And those guys are going to compete for the starting job. I 100% believe that. No one's getting that job to start camp. It's going to be Taysom versus Jameis. J- Tamis versus Jason, Jameson versus Tamesimus, and they're going to see who wins it. I really wish you didn't do that. Um, <laughs> look, I saw something. I heard something today on Pat McAfee um, where uh, apparently, statistically speaking, had Drew Brees just taken the snap, spiked the ball straight into the ground, he would have had a better passer rating than he had in his final career game. Um, <laughs> wow. Like that's how bad his final career game was. And they were talking about, you know, is, is Drew Brees going to really go out on that? You know, there's talk people talking about, is Drew Brees willing to go out on that, on that performance? Is he going to come back for one more year? I really think Drew Brees isn't a glory chaser. I think he's done. I think he's okay with riding off into the sunset and calling it a career. 
Um, I do not think Taysom Hill is the answer at all. He is a Swiss Army knife at best. He cannot be a starting quarterback in the league. Give me J- Jameis Winston to stay in, in New Orleans. I think they have to give him the opportunity, especially with a big weapon like Michael Thomas. Um, they he, he still has you know other there, there's there's other options for him to go with. He has a run game now that he didn't have in Tampa Bay uh, with Alvin Kamara there. So I. I, I, Jameis Winston seems like the clear started me in New Orleans, but you know, if you think Taysom Hill can compete, that's that's good on you. But I don't think J- Taysom Hill has a shot. So I do. I, I'm really intrigued to see what Jameis can get on the free agency market, considering all the quarterback movement and what teams might be interested in what they saw from him this year, or how confident they are that he could take what he learned in New Orleans and become a competent starting quarterback consistently. Uh, there will be a question about the money, though, because the Saints are really tight on money. They already are committed $16 million to Taysom Hill. So can you, you know, is the number $10 million for Jameis? If so, yeah, you could probably fit that. If it gets to fifteen twenty, they can't they, they can't really afford two quarterbacks making $15 million and one of those guys being a starter and the other one not. So that's the... That's the interesting thing there is what that free that open market number looks like and is it a palatable enough deal that the Saints can work and if that's the case he comes back to New Orleans if not then he becomes a candidate for a lot of the places we've already mentioned uh, as potential landing spots teams taking a risk on a guy to compete with somebody who again they think could maybe got it like a Denver you know maybe you throw Locke and Jameis in a competition and see how it goes I think sort of situations like that could be uh, possible but New Orleans is the obvious and it makes sense for them to kind of re-up this for another year and see how it goes uh, the last one Mitch is a current another current backup but I think could make some play in the free agency market and that's Marcus Mariota he's currently the backup in Las Vegas he's making about nine mil I think a year right now that's that's a a bargain for a starting quarterback. When we talk about teams that don't have money but need to get a starting quarterback and they need to sign somebody who's decent, I think Marcus Mariota is the name that's going to come to mind. And the trade pick is not going to be a lot to give up to go get him. My ideal spot, Mitch, where I want to see Marcus Mariota, I want to see him in Miami with Tua. Give me the two Hawaiians in Miami, and Mariota will be a great mentor to Tua. They have a great relationship already. They know each other very well. He'd be a great mentor for him as he is still very early on in his NFL career and would be a competent backup if there are questions about Tua and his future going forward, which I know people have posed. It seems like Miami, based on what they say, they are confident in him, but you brought you had Fitzpatrick this year as that sort of backup. I like Mariota in Miami uh, next season behind Tua. Mariota is another tricky one for me, and he is one actually I could see. Okay, so here's the deal. I think this comes back to Derek Carr and how much the Raiders are invested in Derek Carr because John Gruden has already said he loves Derek Carr. He loves Derek Carr. And Derek Carr has kind of had a little bit of a career resurgence with John Gruden. Um, and, there, you know, it, Derek Carr has proven that when he's given a contending a team that can contend around him, he can get you to the playoffs. Now, can he win the big games? We haven't seen that yet because the last time they were in that situation, they were 12-4 and he got hurt. And 
I mean, who, who was the backup quarterback? Connor Cook was the backup quarterback that started oh, against. Matt McGloin, I think, started a couple a game two. He started, Matt McGloin <laughs> started week 17. Yeah, and, and Connor then, Cook <laughs> had to start the playoff game. In the was, wild card. Oh, uh, wow. And the Raiders rough. were tough. I mean, it was. With the 12 and 4 Raiders team, that was such a tough blow, I man. Mean, you hate to see it. I mean, you yeah. really hate to see it because that team was good. That team was really good. But, you know, I think this depends on if. Derek Carr actually goes anywhere. Um, I've seen reports of Carr, um, you know, the Bears were interested. I've seen Washington interested. I've seen New England interested. Um, I think he stays in Las Vegas. And I think Marcus Mariota stays in Las Vegas as the backup. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's definitely, that would probably make sense. And they, he got some run last year, you know, when Carr went out. And I don't think he looked bad. I think Vegas probably feels very comfortable with him as a backup uh, just in case. And they probably should, if they want to be a playoff team, have a competent backup quarterback. So that's probably the smart move to keep him around. But I think they'll get calls and they could be some intriguing offers oh, yeah. for again, a guy you're paying nine or $10 million to sit on your bench. I mean, so, if, if, Deshaun, you know, if Deshaun leaves, why not Houston? And Houston doesn't get a quarterback in return. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe they got to find a placeholder and Mariota's that sort of guy. I will say this about Carr. You're absolutely right. A lot of this depends on how the Raiders feel about Carr. And there is an inch. I think they keep him, but it is interesting, Mitch, because he he signed the five-year, hundred twenty-five million dollar uh, contract a couple years ago, right? He's only got two years left on that. Two years, forty-two, better than Garoppolo's. So, and right now, they could cut Derek Carr and take on a two-point-five million dollar cap hit. That is it. They could basically move on for nothing. So now that's why the conversation starts happening because it's like, well, now they can move on. So do they, can they, do they want to, is there an upgrade to be had? I don't think so. That's why I think they stick with him, but that's why the situation becomes interesting because now they, they have the flexibility in this contract to move on from car and not take on dead money uh, and, and potentially look to upgrade if they feel like it is necessary. But I think they roll it back one more year and maybe they become, and maybe that quarterback's question gets answered next offseason, whether it's a Derek Carr proves he's the guy year or proves that you need to find somebody uh, to take you to a higher level. Yeah, yeah. No, I 100% but. agree. 100% agree. All right. Well, that's quite a bit of a quarterback carousel, Mitch. And the funny thing is, is that's not even half of them. That's not even half the guys that legitimately could be on the move this offseason in the next couple of weeks. It is literally insanity this year. And we don't know how it will play out yet. Uh, but we do know there is going to be potentially historic levels of movement at the quarterback position in the NFL. Uh, and it could look completely different in this next year and these next couple of months at that. So w definitely something we'll be monitoring here, but very excited to see how this all shakes out. Oh, yeah. No, I'm going to be super excited to see how this all shakes out. Um, Dallin, let's go ahead and take a little break right here. When we come back, we have our Philadelphia Mount Rushmore that we're going to go over. We're also going to get into some NBA all-star conversation we're going to talk about who got in and who's got snubbed this year in the nba all-star game so stick around and we'll be right back thanks for checking out the sports hour today we appreciate you wherever you're listening but if you haven't already we recommend you check us out and give us a listen on anchor anchor allows us to provide the best product to you you can go support the sports hour and become a permanent part of the show like my saint of a mother, Sammy, and my father, David, did. 
You can even leave us voice messages with your thoughts and opinions that we can use on the show. Prove to us that you know better than me and Mitchmo. Moral of the story, people, be more like Sammy and David. Go find us at anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys and become a part of the conversation. What the hell are you waiting for? Welcome back. As Mitch mentioned before, the little ad break there, uh, it's time for the Mount Rushmore. And uh, this week, it is the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. Uh, And Mitch, this was a good, this was a great city to pick. This, This was a really good list. There are a number of really notable players from Philadelphia that that I think deserved to be on this list. Uh, the four guys I put on, I felt pretty good about, and there were a couple players I left off that I thought, you know, they probably could have deserved to be on there too. So I'm interested to see how your list played out, but this, this is some fun players to talk about and remember. I'm excited to go through this with you. Yeah, it'll be, it'll, it'll be a good one. It'll be a All right. Well, let's, let's start this off, Mitch. Now we're, we're, we have the zoom open so we can see each other while we record this. And I don't know if you've noticed what I changed my Zoom background to today for this podcast in ode to our Philadelphia Mount Rushmore. I did. You got a you got a little little uh, the doc, Doctor. A J. little Doctor J on here. Oh my goodness, yes. Julius Irving is going to be my first selection here uh, for the Mount Rushmore Philadelphia. Uh, just a, a superstar that I think it's forgotten about just because he played a lot longer ago, you know, really made his run in the seventies with the Sixers and really was a, an excellent player in the seventies and eighties, but maybe a little ahead of his time and not quite as notable as the, uh, some of the stars we know that emerged in the eighties with the Celtics and Lakers and then on, uh, into the nineties. But Julius serving was a fantastic player, uh, and an icon in the NBA and one of the best of all time and probably the greatest Sixer to ever, well, that's a hard one. There's no, a, there's a lot of good Sixers, he's but he's pretty sixer. good. He's the greatest. He's sixer pretty. I I got another one potentially, but he's really good. He's really good. That's all I gotta say. And he's an obvious for Mount Rushmore. So Julius Irving, uh, that's my first name. He's on my list too. He's on my Great. list too. I mean, he's a Philadelphia native. Then also played for the city of Philadelphia with the Sixers, leading them to the 1983 NBA championship. Um, 12 seasons in Philadelphia. Yeah. Dr. J was a, was a shoe in, was a shoe in. Um, which one do I want to go with first? Let's go. Uh, let's get the Philly out of the way. I, I have one Philly on my list. I'm going with Mike Schmidt, Mike Schmidt, third baseman, um, uh, best third baseman to ever play the game in some minds was Mike Schmidt, uh, played for the Philadelphia Phillies from 1972 to 1989. Um, in that time, Mike Schmidt, sorry, um, uh, had won a 1980s, what won the 1980 World Series with the Phillies, was a 10 time gold glover. Um, this guy was just, a, I mean, and one of the greatest hitting third basements of all time as well. It doesn't get better than Mike Schmidt. Uh, Mike Schmidt makes, makes it on there easily for me. You know, I totally feel you. And this was one of the players that I had mentioned that I put as an honorable mention. And was like this. He's a guy who definitely could have been on there. And Mike Schmidt was one. So he didn't make it on my Mount Rushmore. An honorable mention, no doubt. 
five or six, if you will, right there with the rest of the guys. I didn't actually have any Phillies on my on my list. And are and honestly, besides Mike Schmidt, not a lot of other notable options as far as great players from the Phillies. So he was kind of like the one big name Philly, that you were going to put on there. The Phillies have cult followings. So like there was the Jimmy Rollins cult followings. There was the Chase yeah. Utleys. And I love both those guys, but it could be, the you Larry, know. The Larry Boas, the Steve Carltons. They had right. the Ryan Howards. I mean... Yeah, was, Ryan Howard, MVP season what, 08 I mean, or something like that. They, so, they yeah. have cult followings, but there wasn't like a great Philly. Mike Schmidt fit the category for me. No so. doubt. No doubt. No, I totally feel you. I'm going to go here, though, with my second one. Uh, I mentioned Julius is potentially Dr. J, the greatest sixer of all time. The other player that I had in mind when I said that was Wilt the Stilt. And we talked about Wilt when we did Oakland because he or San Francisco because he did play for the San Francisco Warriors, but he played three seasons with the Warriors. He played three seasons with the Warriors when they were in Philly and then came back and played for the Sixers for, I believe, five or six years before he went to L.A. So the majority of his career he spent with Philadelphia, and that's why I added him to this list, this Mount Rushmore here, uh, Wilt Chamberlain, we know what he is, 100-point game, one of the greatest to ever do it. Uh, the stat lines that he put up are just absurd. And he played at a different time with a advantage at his height and athletic ability over everybody else around him. But he was fantastic for what he was, no doubt, uh, and an obvious Mount Rushmore for me. This is going to hurt you, Dallin. Wilt's not on my list. You didn't put Wilt... Wow. No, and I think you it's don't because... like hundred point games. That's cool. That's no, cool. I think it's just because he had so much influence in other cities. I mean, obviously, he, he was a hard one because he played in a lot of different places. Yeah, and obviously you know. Philadelphia, he had the most influence in. But um, he was hard to put on there because I think that there was a guy that um, probably got overlooked, and I and I want to put him on here because of the silly city of Philadelphia has such close ties to the sport of boxing. I put Joe Frazier on my list. Um, Joe Frazier was one of the best boxers through the 60s and the 70s, grew up in Philadelphia, became one of Philly's most notable boxers. Um, he is an Olympic gold medalist. He held the heavyweight championship from 1970 to 1973 and took down Muhammad Ali to do it. Uh, Joe Frazier uh, is not only one of the greatest boxers to come out of the state of Pennsylvania and the city of Philadelphia, um, he is one of the greatest boxers of all time. I felt like it would be a shame to leave uh, Smoke and Joe Frazier off this list. You know, I, I I love that pick, Mitch. I did not have Joe Frazier on my list. Uh, I didn't really consider him. I didn't dive into boxing, if I'm being honest. But I, I love that pick. I think that's a fantastic pick. I do have to say I did have a boxer as an honorable mention. And it wasn't Joe Frazier. But how could you not put Rocky on the honorable mention, okay. right? I okay. mean, like, so you I'm had just, to think I'm, about it. I'm just going to do this now, Down. I'm going to jump ahead. Rocky Did is you put on, him on? Rocky is on my Oh, I kind of love it. I kind of so, love it. I, when we were, so before the show, me and Dallin are talking about, <laughs> man, Philly was kind of hard because there's some, there's some guys that should make it but may, might not. And I was like, I got one I'm going to make an argument for. And Rocky Balboa has to be on the Mount Rushmore. I mean, he, I didn't keep him on because he's not a real person, but it was really hard not to. It's like, so hard not to, but he had to get on for me because honestly, like 
the the city of Philadelphia claims him as a real athlete for some reason. I mean, he's more iconic than any of these players if as an individual entity, he has for being honest. A statue. So. He has a statue in the city. So oh, like, man. why couldn't you put Rocky on here? I mean, that's great. I, I, listen, I respect Rocky, it. So. I res- listen, we make the rules on these. I put Hugh Jackson on the Cleveland list. You're allowed to put Rocky. Yeah, on I had this to put one. Rocky. I mean, I, I, I felt like if there was a city oh, I could have man. two boxers, there was going to be New York or Philadelphia. And Philadelphia just seemed like the right thing with Joe Frazier and then Rocky Balboa. So that's I know that's you, great. You have two more guys to do, but my so far my Mount Rushmore is Joe Frazier, Mike Schmidt, Julius Irving, Rocky Balboa. So I love it. I love it. Yes, I. I, we're going to have very different lists. This is the first time we've done a top five and had drastically different lists. We're only going to have one of the same player. Oh, wow. Which most of the time we have like three of the same and then maybe one different. But we have Ju- Dr. J was the only one we agreed on here. Julius Irving, right? I had Wilt Chamberlain. I'm going Allen Iverson. Mm. Iconic. AI. One of the most... The underrated stars in the game. The The answer. answer. And you know how I have this Dr. J on my Zoom background. What I really wanted, Mitch, but I couldn't find a good image of, was Allen Iverson stepping over Ty 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 Lue in the NBA Finals. (laughs) And I don't care that that happened in the finals against the Lakers. Ty Lue is a traitor. He is the Clippers coach. I don't care about him. He is disowned. He was a shitty Laker anyways. So, like, I don't care. He he, he's a Clipper now. He sucks. So, I almost, I wanted that as the background. But I couldn't find a good image. So, you oh, know. Oh, man. It's, it's, I mean, it's so, Dr. J. But, yes, Allen Iverson on the list for me I, just because of how iconic he was. And brought so much attention to the, to the area and to the team and was such a, a dynamic player. Uh, just one of the things that comes to mind when I think of Philadelphia sports, you know? AI was on my honorable mention. He was on my honorable mention. Yeah. So. No doubt. And the last player that I had uh, was Reggie White, the greatest eagle of all time. <sighs> yeah. Uh, one of the greatest NFL players of all time, if we're being honest. He can be in that conversation, was an incredible pass rusher uh, during his time in Philadelphia. And, and again, they're probably the greatest player from the Eagles organization. So I had three Sixers and one Eagle. Um, uh, that's, that was my balance there. Uh, but yeah, Reggie White had to make the list for me. So Dr. J, Wilt Chamberlain, Allen Iverson, Reggie White, my list. And Mitch, as he mentioned before, Dr. J, Mike Schmidt, Joe Frazier. And Rocky Balboa. I love it. So uh, any other honorable mentions that we haven't already talked about? Well, one, uh, just me being a football guy, it pained me not to put Reggie White on there. Yeah. Because I'm right. a huge Reggie White guy, and obviously he lost his life way too early. Um, he had a, a, a life after football ahead of him. Um, but you're right, one of the, the the greatest eagle of all time. I think you can make an argument for that. Um, the only one that I put on was another eagle, Brian Dawkins. That was the other one that I put on there. Um, and it's honestly because I wasn't going to put Donovan McNabb or T.O. on there, so I had to come up with another eagle, and Brian Dawkins was honestly the best eagle I can think of, and he was a lifelong eagle. So um, when we grew up in it, yeah. I mean, you and I grew up in a generation with Ed Reed and Brian Dawkins. Those were the men when it comes to safeties in the NFL. So Yeah, well, and Dawkins is, uh, yeah, long-time Eagle, probably a, I mean, a huge fan favorite, so he would be a great one to put on if this was a fan-based you know, of the, of the, of the, those teams, he, he might be on there. The yeah. other one that I wrote down was our guy, 
Big Dick Nick. Come on. Oh. You could kind of. He brought the Super Bowl to Philly. You could, you know, if we could put Rocky, we could put Nick Foles on it, right? But I didn't. But he was an honorable mention for you me. You know what's so. one interesting to think about? You know what's interesting to think about is if Andy Reid had stayed in Philadelphia, do you think Andy Reid – if he had the, if he had stayed in Philadelphia and they just kind of let him do his thing, do you think he might have been on this Mount Rushmore? Uh, if he wins a Super Bowl, yeah. I mean, they gave up on Andy Reid, and they're like, get him out, and go, well, look at me, I'm just gonna go win a Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, three straight NFC Championship games, you know, and with Philadelphia, they, one Super Bowl, but I mean. That's pretty good, uh, you know. I'm just saying, but it sounds like the Eagles to me. They just give up. On obviously, security. it's worked out. It worked out well for uh, for for Andy Reid in, in Kansas City. But that's it yeah. for our Mount Rushmore's great list, and we'll have another uh, city coming up next time. We've got a running list of of ones we're working on. And if you have any suggestions or, or cities you'd like to to hear us hit on here in the in the Mount Rushmore segment, uh, let us know by either commenting on the podcast feed or or leaving us a voice message on anchor mitch as we wrap up here our last little bit we just want to talk about the nba all-star teams uh the reserves were announced yesterday uh so we have the rosters for these these nba teams and as always there are uh snubs and questionable picks to be had but let's just go through let's start by let's do this by conference okay so let's start with the west this is the West roster. I'm going to give you the starters and the reserves, and then we're going to talk about some of the ones that stuck out to us and maybe some of the snubs that we thought uh, that uh, occurred. So the starters this year, LeBron James, top vote-getter, captain in the West, Kawhi Leonard, Luka Doncic, Steph Curry, Nikola Jokic as the starters. The reserves, Zion Williamson, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Paul George, and Anthony Davis Anthony Davis is injured. His injury replacement for the game will be Devin Booker. When the news came out about the reserves, the obvious one, the talk on the town, was Devin Booker. That's been vindicated as he became today, uh, as we're recording on Tuesday, or sorry, Wednesday, the replacement, uh, the injury replacement for Anthony Davis. So Booker will make his first All-Star game alongside his teammate Chris Paul. I think that's great. Mitch, you had a gripe, though, not about the reserves, but about the starters. Yeah. Um, Damian Lillard is the most underappreciated, disrespected player in the in the NBA. Full stop. I mean, yes. this guy just year in, year out, puts teams on his back. He puts teams on his back. And here's the thing. I think, I think the statistic is since 2012... He has led the league in clutch points. Clutch points is any point scored under two minutes left in the game. Let's not even get into the points that he scores when it's five minutes left in the game. And I don't even want to talk about the points that he scores when it's fourth quarter, Dame time, and Damian fucking Lillard decides that he wants to he wants to just absolutely take control of the game and start knocking down clutch shots. This guy is an absolute animal. He's lead. He's what twenty nine point eight points a game right now. Four and a half rebounds, seven assists. He should be starting over Luca, and I love Luca. But the re- the fact that Dame is not starting on this All Star team really bugs me. And I think what really bugs me at most is that we just don't talk enough about Dame. And I know that there's a lot. Of, yeah, there's a lot of factors that go into this. He's usually not on a team that makes a deep playoff run. 
So we're usually not talking about the Blazers. He's in Portland. So he's not one of the big media hubs. He's not in Los Angeles or Chicago or New York or one of the sexy cities like Miami. You know, he's not in one of those spots. Um, But I have a real problem with the fact that Dame Lillard is not talked about enough. And really the only time that he's talked about is when he makes a big shot that happens to be caught on camera. Because guess what? He does that all the time. And it, it's it's just frustrating to me. I mean, this is why, I mean, it, it, it obviously doesn't bother him because otherwise you would hear more from Dame Lillard. He's obviously okay with kind of flying under the radar. But, I mean, seriously, Damian Lillard is so disrespected and underappreciated in this league. And I think that he is a guy that we need to be talking about more and shame on sports media for not talking about Dame Lillard more often. Yeah, I mean, Dame's a top 10 player in the NBA, full stop. No doubt in my mind, he's one of the best in the NBA. And 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 as such, he probably should be a starter. Now, Luka Doncic, obviously another incredible player. And this reminds me a lot uh, of the debate that we saw in the NFL Awards between Aaron Donald and TJ Watt. It's like, both those guys are great, and only one of those guys can make it. Like, Luka for all things considered, is a fantastic player and, and worthy of this spot as well. But I agree, Dame definitely does get overlooked. And of course, they want to give it to the Wonder Boy Luca, the the new face of the league, quote-unquote, if you will. Uh, kind of makes sense that he's the guy, but Dame definitely probably deserved to be a starter, but a no-doubt all-star. And, and honestly, this year, an MVP candidate. And that's more important than starting the all-star game because ultimately, nobody remembers who the all-star starters are anyways. But that guy's going to do way more things than that, uh, and good on him for that. Uh, as far as any other selections, Mitch, in the West, did you have any issues with any of the players selected, and did you think there were any major snubs? Um, You know, I didn't like the Chris Paul selection. Really? Not my favorite. I mean, I understand that he's an 11-time All-Star he runs a team better than most in NBA history. I mean, he's one, he's really a great, um, I don't know how else to put it, but, you know, in football terms, we put it field general. Um, he, he's a quarterback. He's a, he's, yeah, he's a quarterback. He's, he's a great quarterback of, of the offense when it comes to basketball. I mean, he just runs an offense extremely well. Um, but I feel like there was the feel-good story of Mike Conley making it, and I know that you being a Utah guy, you can elaborate on that, and I know that you have a gripe with that, but... I, I, you know, I would have liked, I wouldn't have been mad without, with seeing Chris Paul not make it and Chris er, and uh, Mike Conley make it. Yeah. I think the Chris Paul, I'm, I'm good with the Chris Paul thing here. Uh, The Suns are really good this year. I think they're fifth, fourth or fifth in the West this year. They're really playing at a high level. Uh, And when you're one of the best teams, you deserve to have multiple people represent you. And in this case, I think both Paul and Booker probably deserving to be considered. I'm glad they both made it. I don't think Booker should have been left out and Paul let in. If anything, I think it would be the opposite. But I'm okay with them now because Booker replacing Anthony Davis, both making it in. The one that, that bothers me a little bit, Mitch is Zion Williamson. Mm, Yeah. Because I get it. We want Zion to be the thing. And listen, like you look at his numbers, you look at his play, like no doubt the kid's incredible. He's one of the next future stars of this league. Like that's not what I'm questioning here, but his team is not good. 
and honestly is underperforming for what people expected in year two of Ingram and Zion and a new regime in New Orleans and improvement, and they have not improved. And meanwhile, you have players on playoff teams or teams that are improving and playing better that get left off for a guy like Zion, like Devin Booker, who obviously got it, but like a Mike Conley, you know, who has never made an all-star team despite his fantastic tenure in Memphis. And what what bums me out about this, because listen, you look at his numbers, sure, like the advanced stats, the war, he's the second in the NBA, only behind his teammate Rudy Gobert. He is the most, one of the most impactful players on the court this season. Statistically, we know that. But the raw numbers are not going to shine the way other players do. And they don't compare to Zion. But if Mike Conley was ever going to make an all-star team in his NBA career, this was it. This was his last chance. The Jazz are the best team in the NBA. They could justify having three all-stars because they have the best record. Their coach is coaching the all-star. Like, this is the best team. Nobody would have balked if they had three players in the NBA all-star game, especially if it's Mike Conley, a guy who most people think deserved to have got one at some point. And it bums me out that now that's probably it. He's probably never going to make one ever again. There's no reason to expect that any later in his career he's going to play better than he is right now on a better team. So that bums me out. But if we're looking on statistics, he doesn't necessarily quote-unquote deserve to be there. So it's not like a egregious snub in my mind. The other West uh, Conference player that I had in mind was De'Aaron Fox, who's had a great season in Sacramento. But again, like the Zion thing, not a winning team, not a great team. So if you're picking between those two guys, I'm on board with Zion if we're comparing Zion and De'Aaron Fox. But De'Aaron Fox definitely deserves credit and recognition for his great season so far. Yeah, I mean, he's he has definitely shown a huge step forward this year uh, as far as leading that team. Um, but yeah, you're 100% correct. If I had to take a pick between Zion and De'Aaron Fox, I'm probably leaning Zion right. in that, in that yeah. situation. So, All right, the East, Mitch. Uh, here are the starters in the East. Kevin Durant, top vote-getter, Team Durant this year, who'll be the captain. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Joel Embiid. The reserves, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, James Harden, Zach Levine, Ben Simmons, Julius Randle, and Nikola Vucevic. Um, I'll let you go first here, buddy. Anything stick out to you from the East? What are you thinking? Is there any major names? This is sort of where a lot of the snubs kind of come up is in the East particularly. So I know you probably have thoughts on a handful of these guys. Yeah, I, uh, I, hmm. I really love that Zach Levine finally made an all-star team. Yes. I love, I, I love Zach Levine. That's Sports Hour approved here. I yeah. approve that. <laughs> Zach Levine is fantastic. He's so much fun to watch. Love the fact that he made it. I have a problem with Kyrie being a starter. Yeah, that that the starter though is interesting, right? Because if he was a reserve, I don't think I would mind it so much. But who gets the start over Kyrie? That's my question. What guard are you putting in ahead of him, though? Nets are one of the best teams in the Honestly? East. Honestly? So they're going to get representation, but like, who are you putting ahead of him? Probably, it has to be a guard. Probably Zach Levine. Wow. See, I can't, you can't do that so, though. Like, so, okay, Levine so, deserves so, so, to make I the All Star team. So I, think this but, com- I think this comes down to a snub, and it comes down to Trey Young. Okay. So I, you think Kyrie gets out completely? 
No, no, not that. Well, okay, so when you sit out that many games, for who knows what reason, he said personal reasons, but he never really specified what those personal reasons were. I have a problem with that. Everyone else showed up to work. Why aren't you showing up to work? And so I kind of have an issue with that. I feel like Trey Young, and, and, and granted, they could have been they could have been for actual reasons. They could have been for actual legitimate reasons, and he just doesn't want to specify that. But even if they are, though, you still missed games, and that has to be taken into sure, consideration. But like, look at Trey Young; he's averaging know. 20, not 27.9 points a game, 4.1 rebounds, 9.9 assists per 36 minutes, and he has a 60.8 percent true shooting percentage right now. When you look. At Kyrie Irving, 27.4 or 5.8 assists per game, 4.7. I mean, Trey Young has been statistically the better player. Right. So, I mean, I don't know who gets booted off this team. I mean, and that's that's the thing that I probably do want to say with snubs is if we're going to cape for a guy to make it, you got to give me who you're taking off. Okay, I'm taking Ben Simmons. I'm taking Ben Simmons off. You're taking Ben Simmons off. Oh, Mitch, I love you. I'm taking. I ben, hate Ben Simmons. No, I'm, listen, I'm taking Ben Tra- Simmons off. I'm putting Trey Young on the starting lineup, and I'm putting Kyrie on the bench. Trey, Trey, uh, the starter thing. I don't really. I don't sweat too much because again, I think the hard thing for me is who who's starting ahead of him. Jalen Brown. Uh, I don't really know. No. James Harden. No. Uh, I don't really know. Zach Levine. I don't really know. So the Kyrie thing is fine. Um. But yes, I think the Trey Young snub is 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 an obvious one. You look at the numbers like he did. But again, this is a, a bad team, and I think it's ironic that a year after snubbing Bradley Beal for fantastic stats on a bad team, fantastic stats on a bad team, Brad Beal makes the starting roster for the All Star team. Zach Levine, bad good stats on a bad team, makes it, and Trey Young, who made it the year prior for good stats on a bad team gets left out for the exact same reason the next year. It's kind of backwards. It kind of doesn't make any sense. I understand if Trey Young's miffed about not making it because like you're better than you were last year. And we clearly don't agree with leaving guys with that good of stat lines off of the all-star team, even if their team sucks. Hence Bradley Beal making it this year as a starter. But then you leave Trey Young off anyways. Seems weird, but um, but my thought there is, yeah, I guess maybe like Jalen Brown and Jalen Brown's been really good for the Celtics. My biggest thing though, Mitch, the guy that I am mad about, mad, DeMontis Sabonis, an all-star last year, putting up 21.5 points per game, 11.6 rebounds, 5.7 assists. from the field, 36% from three. And he gets snubbed for a New York Nick in Julius Randle because for the first time in God knows how long, the Knicks are relevant for more than a week. I'm looking at you, Jeremy Lin. They're finally relevant for more than seven days. So they get an all-star. And two players from the Boston Celtics who have a worse record then the Indiana Pacers, and they get two All-Stars, and the Pacers don't get any. 
and Sabonis gets snubbed. It is absurd, Mitch. I am like legitimately miffed for this, and I'm not a Pacers fan. Like, I've never cared about the Pacers in my life. I am mad. It makes no sense that this guy gets left off. I'd take Brown off. I'd take Randall off. I'd take Vucevic off. All of those guys I would take off over for DeMontis Sabonis. That one is crazy to me. You take Vucevic off, huh? I would take him off for Sabonis if I had to. But Randall and Brown, easy for me to take those guys off for Sabonis any day. Hmm. That is crazy to me. They have a better record, and he's putting up those numbers, and he can't get an all-star uh, recognition, but the Celtics, because it's the Boston Celtics, get two guys. And the Knicks, because they're finally decent, get get a guy in Julius Randle. That's crazy to me. Sabonis was one. And the East, another guy that I really thought would make it was Gordon Hayward. He's put up really good numbers in Charlotte this year, averaging 21 points a game for a a pretty exciting Charlotte team. Now, LaMelo's been the quote-unquote star, the attractive figure there, but he's only been a starter for the last like 10 games. Gordon's been holding it down, scoring consistently for them uh, over this this season so far. Suffered an injury against Utah on Monday, so he might miss some time now, but seemed like a guy that you would reward, especially considering how it went down in Boston, the injury, what he had to go through to come back. To even be playing at that level again after that sort of injury is remarkable and I think deserved recognition. I feel bad he didn't make it. That's the other one for me. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you, man. But agree with you. Any other thoughts on All Stars, Mitch? Should be a fun game. I'm excited for the draft. I'm excited to see how these guys uh, team up, and then ultimately too, the Elam ending that we saw in last year's All Star game is making a comeback again this year. I loved that. That was the most entertaining All Star game I've seen in a very long time. I'm glad it's continuing, and I'm glad they're trying to make the All-Star game more compelling. I'm excited for that. Very, very exciting. Very exciting. All right. Well, I think that's about it. That's got to do it. I think that's it. I think that is it today for the Sports Hour. Thank you guys for sticking around and hanging out. We appreciate it. We love doing this. We love talking sports, and we love hearing from you. And if you haven't already, if you don't subscribe, if you just listen, please subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. But check us out on Anchor. There's just a lot of cool stuff about Anchor. We love hosting the site there uh, or the podcast there and, and having everything run off of it and ability to leave voice messages and interact with the show. That's what we want. That's what we want from you guys as listeners to interact with us. Uh, so we would invite you to do so uh, on Anchor and, and on our socials, Mitch and where are those? You can find us at Instagram at the Sports Hour Guys. You can find us on Twitter at Sports Hour Guys. Under construction still, we're working out some kinks. You can soon find us at thesportshourguys.com or thesportshour.com. That would be T H E S P O R T S capital H R dot com. Um, Hopefully, to get that blog site up soon. Uh, we're having some contributions from Dallin and I, as well as Jordan Fox, and uh, who, whoever will come along uh, with us to do to do uh, any sort of writing some articles there. You can find us there as well. Um, like Dallin said, go ahead and get on Anchor, leave a voice message. We would like you to be a part of the conversation. Uh, get on Apple, 
Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Tell us we suck. That's the only way that we can get better. Dallin, you get another bye week because I have something in store for you, my friend, as far as your punishment. Ooh, we've got a good one coming, so we need time. Look, we got eight months of this. I just want to make sure we're doing it right. So, <laughs> well, when you say it like that, I'm depressed, but I get, we've got a long ways to go. <laughs> you've got until... <laughs> Until August, pretty much, buddy. So If this year lasts as long as 2021, 2020 did, I am screwed. Oh, boy. <laughs> I hope not. Oh, man. It's been fun, my friend. It's been fun hanging out with you guys. Thanks for sticking around. And we will catch you next week. See you.